0: so much about it. I know the reason that you like it. Get away from the wife for a few hours, drink your head off. Football. Football, football. What you talk so much about it? I know the reason that you like it. Get away from the wife for a few hours, we'll wow. you shake so you like we'll your head off, football. Welcome to episode sixty-nine of the Menusia Football, the Duncan FC fancast. This is a post-match reaction to another disappointing display. 2-1 defeat on the road against Sligo Rovers. Guys, we knew we had an injury crisis going into this game. We knew that a result, given the form we've been in, might be too much to ask for, yet Sligo had also been in pretty poor form. And we began the game brightly. But then, lo and behold, the usual formula applied. Very, very soft goal conceded. And yet again, we're talking about another goalkeeping error.
1: Well, this was the script being followed again, wasn't it? So, as you say, started brightly, uh, actually got in front this time, you know, managed to to score a goal. And lo and behold, we're asked to do even the tiniest bit of defending again afterwards. And immediately they're back on level terms. And it just seems so very predictable. Uh, I mean... I think there's a lot of Dundalk fans, like, for a while thought, you know, okay, we're in a bad run, but, you know, sooner or later it's going to lift, you know, th- it, but this team looked like they are going down, and they're going down because we cannot even do the very basics of defending set pieces. Like, the, the defending for the first goal was absolutely awful. You just look at an average quality ball across the box. Everybody misses it. It takes about three hops on the way through. Uh, And somebody is standing on the back post to knock it into the net, you know, without a single challenge going in. It's incredible stuff. And the second one is just as bad, like a bog standard ball knocked over the head of Greg Sloggett. He is miles behind his man. And the less that is said about the attempted save, you know, the better. But I think the worst bit of all was actually what happened afterwards, where the heads clearly go down. You know, there was no sign of anybody really standing up and trying to put any pressure on Sligo whatsoever. Like the last 20 minutes or so was absolutely turgid as we failed to put any pressure on him. And even if you stuck Nadastad up front and just launched the ball towards him, at least you'd think, you know, we might get the ball into the area or something like that, try and win some second balls or something like that. But we did nothing. And I think that's the most worrying part. Like when the, the heads go down like that, given the position we're in and the fight that we need to show, uh, I think that is terminal looking. But I felt sorry for people like Pat Hoobin, right, who I think worked his socks off all night, showed lots of quality, you know, tried his best to hold the ball up and find other people, right? And, you know, he managed to, to put us in front with a goal, but let down, I think, by the, the defenders behind him who, you know, weren't able to, to keep a clean sheet again and basically just gifted them some more goals. Uh, like I say, that is calamitous, I think, at this stage and uh i don't know if we can't defend better than that with three internationals in the back line right uh it's just it's unbelievable stuff um you know there's i think an art to defending right but when it comes to set pieces i think we all know that you don't necessarily need gifted players right to defend set pieces you need organization you need work on the training ground you need everybody to be you know marking their man and uh and working hard and you know uh paying attention and this kind of things and we're just showing none of that, like it's tragic but if if that doesn't get sorted quickly, we are going down Yeah,
2: I think this team has an absolute crucial fatal flaw right through the middle and it is probably unfixable this season now, the, the defence is probably utterly unfixable and it is a, it is a fatal flaw um, to stretch an analogy out here, it you know, it reminds me of Star Wars, the Death Star. We actually have the firepower, like Hoban tonight, okay? We, we have the potential to score goals and we should. We, we, we took the lead. So we have firepower. But there is a, a hole right in the middle of this team and all the teams in the League of Ireland have the secret plans to the Death Star. They know exactly where the hole is and they can blow us up every time um, because we're conceding goals every single game. And we, as we took the lead... So we shot first, but they still can blow us up, okay. There is a fatal, fundamental structural flaw in the base of the team, and it is going to be exposed every single week now, as martin said we're going down um this that, that defense I think is unfixable at this stage, and it'll just be picked apart i mean we were picked we We, we were beaten by nine man Longford I mean anyone above them in the table have the game plan to take to, to beat us, um, and again, I, I think, I think, I think, like Hoban put in so much work for that goal, uh, and even before it, he got a shot off before that, where he from, from from far out in the left, he pulled it back in and got a shot away, kind of out of nowhere. You could see he was up for it from the start, but then we get a goal, you know, we're leading. Maybe this is the night we get a, you know, get something, get some points on the board, and immediately, as Martin said bog-standard balls into the box. I wouldn't mind if we were, you know, if we conceded to amazingly worked goals. We're being undone by nothing. So we, we have no chance with that, you know? I mean, if, if you get torn apart by, you know, amazing hazy runs, by shots from outside the box, blah, blah, blah. But as Martin said, both those goals are just, you know, really schoolboy stuff. And we got undone. And I mean, the first half was really entertaining, I think, and I it, it, it had the potential for a great, great game. But after that second goal game over, I mean, I, I could barely tell you anything about the last half hour of that match. I, I went into a fugue state. I was watching it, but I, I could tell you nothing about it because there's nothing really to say. Um,
3: bad, bad, bad. Well, the last half hour just probably wasn't worth watching for me. We all were cut off very nicely at the end, so we didn't have to watch the the final the final whistle. Yeah, I think they all have the plans to the Death Star. I'm just not too sure whether um, the first division have X-wing fighters or Y-wing fighters on that one. That's been honest. I, I as bad as you know our our defence is. Um, I don't think. Uh, the First Division would be able to exploit it because I think that the, the weaknesses within our First Division are probably around First Division standard and I think that they might be able to stand up to it um, in, in a playoff but you're dead right we're heading for the playoff that's, that's, a, that's a given at this stage there's not a team in the Premier Division that we could hope to, to get points off that's, that's fact um, uh, after tonight's display it was a really really um, entertaining first 20 minutes as Martin rightly said like the script was there it was open for us to 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 read it's the usual script we start really really brightly Uh, and tonight we scored and i i was delighted Uh, i thought yeah okay maybe maybe we can go back and see a bit of old and dark here maybe we can pin them in and then you've got that keystone cop stuff you know for the for the goal i mean you could just you guys have covered it already you can pick as many you know errors out there and that ball goes in to the back. That's basic stuff. That's really, really basic stuff. And you can see, like, you can really see that, you know, that the coaching staff are stretched when you, when you see stuff like that. I mean, you know, there was a time we, we had actually had a, a coaching staff and now we have a coach, you know, so there was, there was a time that there was people that could, you know, coach the team in all areas of the pitch. And now we have one guy and he's trying to you know, he's like the guy with his finger in the hole of the dam and that's what he's doing he's like okay get somebody and it's kind of like hey, it's okay you know um, just keep your finger in the hole of the ground, and that's coming from across the, from you know from from the states uh like it's just absolutely infuriating my, my and you know blood boiling and you know the dog supporters are going to be absolutely furious not so much some of them will be furious at, at the at the players, and you know they'll vent their anger at the players. They'll vent their anger at at, at Vinny and, and all that. And then we've covered this a million and one times. You know, we we all know where the blame lies. But um, we we have been depleted so much in the in the last year that you know our position in in, in the table, I think, is just you know it's probably where we're supposed to be.
0: That these are full of the metaphors tonight, and, and good luck to you. What I can't get around is right, if we take the Death Star one for a while, it's not some tiny vent that you've kind of got to be Luke Skywalker to blow up. This is a vast, yawning football field size gap that anybody can hit. We're, we're suffering, and, and, and we're suffering because there's, as you say, there's critical weaknesses in the squad, and they originate from the start of the season where we brought in a very unbalanced mix of players and we left crucial positions uh, just on demand. I mean, we we have kind of made a golden rule of not criticizing individual players, but we can do this collectively now. We've got three players in the squad. The one thing they've all delivered is howlers and they've delivered them regularly. And, you know, I know Peter Cherry had a, a dismal game when he was brought in against Longford and was immediately back out of the side again. But looking at tonight, you have to begin to wonder after the last two performances, is it time to give him a go again? But no matter who we put between the sticks it looks like there's crucial errors in all of them and our team doesn't have the confidence nor is it racking up the amount of goals to be able to afford to give away two goals per game for bloody absolutely no pressure it's almost as if we start minus two because there's two soft goals usually coming along in every game we play against pretty much anybody now we can't just blame the goalkeepers. Like we had another howler today. When that second goal, when, when Abibi got the hand to it, I thought, oh, well, he saved that. He's eased that over the bar. When that drops into the net, it's just, there's no disguising it. It's another terrible technical error. It's an error of technique. If you are pushing the ball over the bar, you have to get it over the bar, not under the bar, right? That's, you know, that's that, you don't have to be uh, Jose Mourinho to kind of see the distinction there. On top of that, very, very basic stuff. Everybody knows. If they send a man out short to take a short corner, you've got to send a second defender out. Everybody seemed to be caught for that. Absolutely everybody. There's a late run, I think, I can't remember who it was, but we don't shut down that cross, okay? We don't get two men out in time. But then for the ball to come in, like, ankle high, shin high, and to elude five Dundalk defenders and emerge at the far side and have a tap in 90 seconds after you've taken the lead, it just seems to be a real lack of concentration. So there's a collective malaise there. And like you said, this is now the script. Because what's so frustrating about this is Dundalk Doc, we're better than Sligo in the first 20 minutes. You can list down the chances we created. We created the first chance. We had, we had several good combinations where Domigan was linking up with Duffy, was linking up with Patching. We had Joey and Doe was the only consolation of the night on commentary, was absolutely kind of oozing over the fluidity of Dundalk's attacks. And we had a lot of players put in good shifts. Will Patching was good tonight. Patrick Hoban was heroic. He put in a hell of a shift. But all of this is being undone by players that have crucial lapses in concentration or lapses in technique and they cost us goals because ultimately going right back to the start of the season we recruited really badly okay we recruited terribly we took massive risks in letting go established players we've said this before but to let go two goalkeepers and a goalkeeping coach we said this in the last episode and bring in a totally untried one and a player in peter cherry who we all probably thought be a reliable backup or more so than he was uh maybe peter's going to get his chance again just simply due to the performance of the other two in the role but i mean we should not be in a position where we end up with those as our options particularly right when you could have had a word with gary rogers and if you hadn't toxified the environment maybe extended his career by another season james talbert agent is essentially shooed away from the place we're told we're not interested in an established league of ireland keeper who's now more towards the top of the table than we are massive risks but i read in the newspaper that uh well bill Hulsizer says we shouldn't be looking at the negatives
2: yeah i think the 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 salt in the wound of tonight's result and saturday's result is the comments by the chairman which really are salt in the wounds I mean to not own up to anything complete complete i was going to say delusional but at this stage it's not delusional i saw some people on whatsapp some friends saying is he delusional right it's not delusional it's intentional it's deflection nothing is his fault uh, i mean if you read that i mean there's two articles floating around today and all the quotes from the chairman. It's not my fault. It's it's bad luck. It's the soccer gods. It's you know, it's players walking across the pitch getting injured. You know, literally he thinks players are just being injured, just walking around the place. These soccer deities have it in for him. Uh, people in Dundalk are nasty to the kids he brings in. It's COVID. It's he's got a list of excuses, and none of it he is owning. I mean, that really some real shocking comments today where he is putting it on make-believe entities in the sky he's putting on um supposed hostilities from dundalk people but none of it is his fault the quality we can't judge the quality because the season isn't over someone really needs to sit him down and show him a league table and talk to him how mathematics work okay um he also said, you know, uh, the F.A.I. Cup, we're still in that. And sure, if we're not in it, then there's nothing we can do about that. There's nothing we can do about it if we go out of a football game. So there, there's zero responsibility being taken. A genuinely, I was going to say worrying, but I would also I would say enraging at this stage. If you read his quotes, it is a complete abandonment of responsibility. And it, you know, we've. We, we, listen, we talk about the chairman week in, week out, and then we took a break for a while. But at this stage, who could read those quotes today and say he is anything but a, a malignant force?
0: Well, I, I would go further. If the Marquis de Sade took over your football club and decided to torment you, and it was perhaps combined with Marie Antoinette saying, let them eat cake, this is what you would get. And I find it difficult to be, you know, nasty about a man of his advanced years. So I'd like to tilt the spotlight to the next generation. It's not Bill Hulsizer's that put Bill Hulsizer where he is. It's Matt Hulsizer and Jenny Just. And that decision has destroyed the football club. And they are both a disgrace for leaving that man exposed in that position. Because you read his comments and you might think he's trolling us. like. Like, here's one. You challenge me to read his comments and watch your blood pressure rise. All right, let's just pick one which seems to have captured the imagination of Dundalk fans. Think about it this way. If a coach or a club has a great player who contributes to a culture and the success of the club, why would they let him go? Well, why indeed, Bill? Why indeed? Why don't you answer your own bloody question? Why did you let Sean Hoare go? Why did you let Sean Gannon go? Why did you let John Mountney go? Why did you let Jordan Flores go? And we could go on and on and on and on. I mean, as Daniel McDonald said when he was uh, on with the Town End Boys the other day, we had a league winning team, not in Dundalk like three years ago, four years ago, we had a league winning team with the bases off it within the last 12 months. And that core of that squad has been sent to the four wins, Dane Massey included, okay? And now he comes up with a humdinger like that, I mean that just seems to be deliberately provocative but I don't even think he's at that level of um you know consistency. I mean what you get there are some kind of incredible provocative comments saying why would you do something that I've just done and done multiple times. This guy right he's almost 80 years old. We probably all have a relative around about that age. You know he is not capable of making the decisions that, that he is taking upon himself. He shouldn't be in the position. Okay, His reign has been a disaster. And I don't know what Matt Hulsizer's motivation is. All right, he's given the club as a toy to his father. We One can see that. But the effect of that is that Bill has become a figure of ridicule and increasingly, I think, more malign comments than that. I don't know if Matt Holzheiser wants to make his father a truly notorious figure for Dundalk fans, but that's where it's gone. And if they had any care, even if they don't care about Dundalk FC or the fans, if we mean nothing to them, if they had any regard for Bill's reputation and his legacy, they would discreetly and belatedly remove him from the position of chairman, I, don't th- I think we're well past the point where we can have Mike Tracy whispering over his shoulder because Bill shows no indication of taking responsibility for the absolute catastrophe that he has imposed on Dundalk FC. The man is ignorant, he is arrogant, and he's in complete control. Only two people can get him out, Matt Hulsizer and Jenny just, and it's high time they did it.
1: I have a hard time... I guess ascribing to malice, you know, uh, the the kinds of things that Bill has said, because his comments are just so obviously at odds with reality that you know I find it hard to believe that he can be doing that in a sort of trolling fashion to try and annoy the people of the dog. Right? Uh, I I genuinely think he believes this stuff, uh, and it's just uh, completely insane. Uh, I mean, the idea that you cannot judge the season yet because it's not over—we are ninth in the table, okay. You know, just take a quick look in the newspaper and you can see what's going on. Uh, and the idea that he's going to have stats guru Mike Tracy in to try and help him see where we can do better. You know, I don't think Mike is going to have a big job in his hands to say we've only got three players signed up for next season. And that might be a problem. Right. That you cannot just feel three players in the team. Uh, Bill, maybe you should uh, try and address this. Right. Uh, likewise, you know, this idea that uh, we just, you know, lost players or they drifted away from the club magically. And certainly not because they weren't offered contracts uh, or they were offered sort of illegal contracts or they were offered contracts in some sort of multi-feature Zoom call uh, with, you know, six or seven other participants who might be competing with them on wages and things like that. You know, I I just it's impossible to give any credence to the stuff that he's coming out with. Like there's no point in discussing it seriously uh, because it's just so completely diluted. Um, Come comrades, perhaps you're
0: being too negative. If we read uh, one of his quotes from another article, he's saying that we're not mathematically eliminated from finishing third. I think we might be after tonight.
2: Yeah, I mean, like it's it's it's, it's crazy stuff. Another thing he said today in, in regards to Mike Tracy in that article is straight up admitting he has no intention of offering long term contracts. I mean, what we've known, he is straight up saying it out now. He said he wouldn't offer a long-term contract to a 27-year-old, like like a 27-year-old has a Zimmer frame and is being sent to the glue factory. I mean, footballers traditionally, you know, we you know hit their peak around that age. And he said, I wouldn't offer a full-time, a long-term contract to a 27-year-old, like these players are crumbling before him. And he talks about his kids and the kids and all this kind of stuff. He straight up said he has no interest in offering long-term contracts. So to the to the non-tree players who we have signed up, he has more or less said, there's the door. We've talked about oh, who would you keep, you know, Will patching all these people. They're gone. He's, he's driving them to the, to, you know, to the you're now leaving Dundalk sign, kicking them out, giving them a bag and saying,
1: down the road. Yeah, the, the negativity part is actually one of my favourite parts of the, the article because, as we all know, Oriel Park has been powered by negativity for about 30 years now, at least. Like, there is nothing but negative, uh, you know, sort of wails and stuff of that come off the terrace, even at the height of the Kenny era. The thought of, you know, Robbie Benson taking a touch inside the box, you know, instead of just getting rid of it, you know, drew howls of derision from the stands, right? Uh, And I would say that, you know, a couple of our back-to-back league titles were powered by none other than Stephen O'Donnell, famous in the dressing room, for being a non-stop moaner and never satisfied uh, with what he saw from his colleagues, you know. So... That was, I think, you know, entire collections of, of trophies and league titles powered by nothing but negativity. Uh, you know, if there's one thing that I think we can definitely fall back on at Oriel and we'll continue the power the club into the future, it is that, you know, negative thought. So uh again, gonna gonna have to disagree with Bill there.
0: Do you wanna pick out some of your other favorite quotes from Bill's adventures in the press this week? Oh, so yeah, uh, one of them uh, as well is um
2: At some point, people might start looking at all the positive things that have been done and stop looking at the negative things. Um, And then he's pushed on what the positives are. And he said, we're still in the FAI Cup and mathematically not eliminated from finishing third, as we mentioned. Like, they're the only two positives he can find. Um, It's crazy stuff. Um, Oh, yeah. If David McMillan's boot was a quarter of an inch longer, we'd have beaten Vitesse. It's all, you know, down to luck. He's uh, he's putting
0: everything down to bad luck. Nothing is down to his own um, decisions. Given the preventable goals that we coughed up in our European ties, he don't think he doesn't think like getting rid of Chris Shields has anything to do with our bad luck. You know, I mean, uh, this is this is delusional. This is insane. I mean, you cannot continue to harm the club in every aspect by your decision making and then say shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, you know, uh, just bad luck.
3: Even like where he where he, he mentions, uh, do I think that people have helped these kids that we've brought in? Absolutely not. Like I mean, stop there before the rest of the quote. Like, I think that the only people that haven't helped these kids that they've brought in is is Bill Hulsizer because he's brought them into an arena that, that they're that they shouldn't actually be in. So like he, he's brought these, these kids, uh, these kids, whoever they are, and then he goes on, you know to say that they've brought their families here or they've walked away from their families they've come to a strange place and basically he's saying that that, that they've, they've obviously there's nothing been allowed because of covid and then try to support them or berating them like i mean i i don't think uh, i could like uh the players have been berated around and, and around dock or been abused around and dock or anything like that. Like, all we're just saying stating. And I mean, I'm not talking for, about everybody in the dock, but I'm talking about myself. And I, all I've ever said is that, you know, these players that, that, that Bill has brought in are not to the same standard as the players that he's let go. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, that's just a fact. You know, some people are better than other people when it comes to playing sport and comes to playing football. And this is just a case about it, you know, I mean, like, it's his fault. Not, you know, or not these players' faults, it's his fault.
0: Look, I mean, there are, there have been moments in the past where particular players received, you know, withering abuse from fans and you would cringe to hear it and it was always horrible. And that, I'm not aware that that has happened and I've been at as many games as, you know, COVID regulations permit, and you know we kind of know the voice of the fans they have not turned on even the lowest and worst performing individual because i think they know that there are certain players at the club who should not be at the club i mean the guys who you know we haven't named names we haven't pointed the finger at them but guys who simply aren't at league of ireland level and bill has brought them in for a year and then he's brought them back again. And then he sent them out on loan. And they're still hanging around as registered players on the club. And this is why we have a squad of 30 players, because we have half a dozen players who are just there as pet projects for Bill. Now, nobody is blaming those guys. Nobody is sapping their morale. They haven't had a crowd get on their back. You know, even players that we all know have had really eye watering, you know, signing on fees and extremely high wages and haven't done a tap the fans have never turned on them you know yeah, the only
2: the only incident you can point to was the ironic cheer when Zahibo was substituted if that's the worst abuse coming from the stand an ironic cheer and it was a bit kind of a tongue in cheek hey if that's the level of abuse we're talking about then bill Hulsizer has not seen league of ireland abuse before you know and um, and i, I think at the point I mean, we've all been to games this season and Really, you'd actually say that the fans, in a way, have been restrained in in their vocalisation. And I think Damien made a very good point there as well, which is to say, he's talking about bringing in these kids, but you wouldn't have to have brought in these players if we hadn't have gotten rid of players. We had a perfectly serviceable team, which was dismantled. Also, by the way, he's talking about... in those those quotes, he's talking about the kids from the Faroe Islands and the kids from Latvia. Now, if he's talking, who we're talking about there, are we referring to them as kids? International players are these, you know, oh shucks, little kids, you know, coming in off a bus at the bus station and not knowing where they are? Come on. I mean, yes, they're in an unfamiliar country during a pandemic. Yes, they're coming into a situation, by the way, of his making, which is Probably not an easy situation to settle into but he's naming countries like the Faroe Islands and Latvia if that's the kids he's on about then again he's deflecting a lot he's, he's, it's all look the dog fans are being horrible to these innocent kids which is a complete attempt it's, I mean it's gaslighting it is it's gaslight he's gaslighting the dog fans by accusing us of this abusive behavior because as we said is not there um, and it it's a total deflection uh because he's, he's he's attempting to deflect from his own mismanagement, which as you said, I mean, he's been put in a situation that he shouldn't be in.
3: I think I think another one of my um my favorite quotes, if we're gonna go through these ones from from Bill this week, is where he's talking about um so, Mike Tracy, I'm bringing Mike Tracy back into the fold on consultancy one. He says uh, he'll confirmed uh, to the Argus on Thursday that Tracy will have a big say in the setup for next next season. So, I call that as alligator turd, because that's exactly what that is. Mike Tracy won't have anything to do with any decisions that have, that are going to be made at Dundalk FC, because I'll tell you why. There's only one man that has to, that that has to say in decisions about Dundalk FC, and that's Bill Holsizer. Um, for whatever you know, for whatever reason, he's been given the toy of Dundalk FC. That's the case. So that's that's another one. P- people, because it's like that. I think Mike, Mike Tracy's well held within uh, Dundalk uh, fan circles people respect Mike. Mike was, he was a real buzz when he was here. He was over with the away fans. He was, you know, walking through the the, the lily white Lounge at the end of McGuill suite. And he's like, you know, he's giving it all the old Mike Tracy stuff. And I just think that's just another deflection. Hey, look, let's just say we're consulting Mike Tracy. That'll keep the, that'll keep those little plebs over there in in Dundalk FC happy because it's just more alligator turd from Florida.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Mike, still a relatively popular guy. I think most people had, were benevolently disposed to, to to Mike as an individual and that's all very well but does it does Bill Hulsizer strike you as a guy that's going to share authority you know when, when a decision has to be made does Bill sound like a man who will listen to anybody if you disagree with Bill you end up outside of Dundalk FC and that's happened to you know a lot of people now including Vinnie Perth when he disagreed with Bill that was really what precipitated his exit first time round. And it's been calamity after calamity ever since. And of course, Bill is never responsible. It's always, you know, some other elemental force has conspired against them. But let's enter the mind of Bill Hulseiser for a minute. Oh yeah, fans, we haven't done our bit. We've really let the side down. We haven't supported the players in the right way. And perhaps if we had pom-poms out, maybe, you know, one of the kids would have scored 15 goals from midfield this season and would be a shoe in for the Golden Boot and Player of the Year. Um, Okay, that's his theory. I don't think many Dundalk FC fans will agree with that. But there is a long-term risk here. After the Longford game, I'm in a kind of couple of WhatsApp groups along with yourselves that are mostly related to Dundalk FC fans. And I was saying, well, what would you think? See the game, see the game. And I was getting a lot from very, very hardcore fans. that would usually be home and away, travelling, supporters go to our European trips. And they were saying, uh, just caught the last 20 minutes. No, not watching it. No, blah, blah, blah. Now that is a warning, okay? I think the supporters club, you know, It's now formed the first meeting or it's had a few meetings with the club. It's probably realizing now that, you know, this guy has consolidated power. He's got, he's got a kind of tiny board, like a rump board, a little board that he basically seems to be the dominant voice on. Well, the fans have asked for a seat at the board. They've been told no, which, you know, once again, seats at the board are not handed out by by people who control the board. So the fans... You know, we're, we may be in the supporters club, but really the list of items to be discussed there were sort of match day experience and this sort of the micro stuff. We, we, we don't really have a say in the major stuff. Like, for example, the crucial thing of getting Bill out of the club because, you know, we talked about this. We talked about a lot. We talked about was his regime salvageable? Um, could Bill perhaps be put back in his box? Could the director of football insulate the dressing room from his influence? I think at this stage, given what we've seen in the paper this week, given the decisions that have led us to this point, I don't think a revival of Dundalk FC is possible when Bill Hulsizer is still involved. That might mean, by logical extension, that it's not possible while Peak Six are still involved. However, in the past regimes have fallen when essentially they've lost the paying support of the fans and crowds have dwindled down to a critical level and there's a certain arithmetic kicks in there where the club is losing more money than it's making and nobody can sustain that the really sinister thing about peak six among the many sinister things about them is they have the financial resources to keep the club sort of under their control sort of held prisoner uh with bill in charge pretty much indefinitely you know they can run the club at a loss and just keep it as a toy unlike previous regimes which eventually had to get out just due to financial pressure but we've already seen it you know there are lifelong fans who are beginning now to pick and choose even watching games online and it will be interesting to see you know if this is to be the future blueprint that everything is fine, I'm doing everything right, and do you know what, if there's a problem, maybe it's fans being negative, well, it'd be interesting to see what season ticket sales are like for next season.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, people with like, the LOI TV pass and you can watch any game, choosing not to watch a game, and I mean, that's like, not even about not supporting the team because the team doesn't know if you're watching or not. Like It's one thing not to go to a home game and get behind the team in a time of crisis, but like people just deciding on a Saturday night, I would rather do something else than watch them, dock FC. Um, and you've paid for it already. That's telling you something, you know, it's people saying, I'm going to do something else with my time. It's not worth my time. Um, that is definitely, yeah, it's, it's entering into kind of existential crisis stuff for the club because you, you might not get people back. And, it's one thing to talk about, you know, uh, plastic fans, glory hunters, fans who are only there when times are good. But you could also see people not willing to want to be part of a project, which is this vanity project. You, you might love Dundalk FC, but at some stage, you might have to step away and say, I'm not going to give my money to a project, which is this disgusting vanity project uh, for basically billionaires in Chicago. Um, who have just taken something that we love and just handed it away. You know, you could see people saying, I'm, I'm no longer invested in this. Um, and it, it goes, I mean, how do you stop that? You said he's consolidated his power. I mean, we no attempt. There's nothing we can do at the moment to wrest control of that. So people will, I suppose, exercise the only control they have, which is simply their attention. And their attention will turn away from the games. And next season, when you really will need that attention, that 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 could be a very, very, you know, very grim territory. Just to end on a positive note there.
3: But more seriously, and I know I said earlier on that I think that we have a little bit more guile than the teams in the first division. And I think that we, we probably won't lose the playoff. And that's the way I'm talking about it. I don't think that we're anywhere else but the playoff um, going on, the performances. Um if we I if I was to take a step beyond, beyond that and say, okay, we're in the first division next season, that actually might suit Mr. Bill Holzheiser to have us down there in the first division because he can really do the old, you know, the cat and mouse thing with it, or he can kind of like bring in, you know, the kids, the kids that that are, are certainly not, you know, premier division standard under First Division standard, and maybe they're not even first division standard, and you know, just have a bit of a, a bit of fun with the club. Uh, what can we do? Absolutely nothing, because it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I think, as Ken pointed earlier on, when you have somebody who's so arrogant and, and, and delusional, like there's, there's, there's no way to get them out of power because you know they're so used to power. Well, the only thing
0: you could hope for in that situation is that Matt will perceive that in the First Division, Dundalk FC is nothing but a black hole into which he's pouring his dollars or our dollars and the, the game will be up some sort of financial pressure will come on him and once again uh, i'm 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 hesitant to make this you know seem like a personal issue this has nothing to do with bill personally just i think he has proven he's not capable of doing the job he and it's simply on decisions and the outcome of those decisions if he was in a paid position as an employee that had been hired to run the club he'd be sacked on the basis of his performance. I don't believe he should be there. Only two people can get him out. Matt and Jenny, they should get him out. I think it's somewhat uncomfortable to have a guy of his years, as I said already, exposed to you know, the, the sort of ire that he is generating. But the anger is absolutely justified. I mean, what they have done to Dundalk FC is an absolute disgrace. And there can be no doubt about that and the reason i should clarify about the fans thing the reason that it is such a tragedy is only a few short years ago um we were playing laggy warsaw in the aviva stadium in front of what twenty five thousand people at least on a very very wet rainy day whereby you would have got a much bigger walk-up crowd now the reason that this is such a tragedy to go from that moment to this moment is we all know we are the hardcore fans we will be there if we are in the first division probably we grumble and we say we might we will we will be there we'll, we'll always go to dundalk games okay you'll never get rid of us there is probably six or seven hundred other people who are of a similar inclination the hardcore they'll be there when the club is going well that swells up to about three thousand like we got onto the kenny era three thousand at a home game was pretty typical and then if you get to a cup final or a big european game you can see suddenly we're in the aviva with you know, 20,000 people supporting us. Now, beyond that, beyond the people who turn up for cup finals and the Legia size events, there is a wider public that supports football in this country, but their affinity, let's face it, is mostly their attention and their affinity is for the English Premier League. Now, in 2016, we were on the verge of breaking through to those people. And I often look back at the leggy home game and think if only we kind of had got a goal in that. Like, I mean, if we had had the second leg performance in the first leg and got a home crowd, giving them something to cheer because it was a good performance. It was a decent result, bit disappointing to concede the second, but we were competitive throughout and the game ticked into its final quarter and we were still well in it. But it was just would have been nice to give the people who had probably turned up for the first time ever to watch an Irish club side something to cheer if we had just got a goal. And if we had a managed to pull off that miracle in Warsaw, and I know you always want slightly more than you get, but then we were in the Champions League group stages. And we would have blown the kind of glass steel into bits. We would be an Irish club that the whole country would now be, you know, we would it would be impossible to ignore. You know the way the TV stations they only begin really talking about European competitions round about the time Irish clubs are going out of it. Well, Dundalk would have been in those trailers. We would have been playing Real Madrid. We would have been in the Virgin Media TV kind of trailers alongside the Ronaldo's and the Benzema's and all of that sort of stuff. We were on the verge of that with a tiny budget, an inspirational manager and essentially 13 players. Our budget this year is way more than it was in 2016. Yet it has been spent with such idiocy that we are now, Damien Kenny is talking on this podcast about our probability of winning a relegation promotion playoff, okay? Perhaps against Bray Wanderers, not Real Madrid, right? That is some calamity to have, you know, that is some degeneration, that is some legacy of failure. And it rests on the shoulders of Matt Hulsizer for the way in which he has essentially allowed this club to be misrun as the personal fiefdom of an elderly man who doesn't have a clue.
1: But then again, maybe I shouldn't be so negative. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the Twitter machine for some positivity. Okay. That's where we're going to we.
3: get us.
1: As we usually
0: do, we kind of put it out on Twitter. What did you make of tonight's events, both on the field and off the field? Don Dalgan, the ever reliable, came in and said, Bill in his bunker are watching endless reruns of Moneyball as DFB spiral towards First Division and given current form, highly likely cup exit. The nightmare continues. This season, watching DFC matches is like being forced to repeatedly watch the eye scene from Inshen Nandaloo. The surrealists among our listeners will kind of understand that reference. Otherwise, you can look it up on on YouTube. Uh, We have another response on Twitter that says, uh, it's the flashes where we're capable that are so frustrating. Why can't you just do that for the whole game? Plus, we've lost the ability we once had to keep our heads up when we concede. Now, that is a point. I mean, what's frustrating is tonight's performance, there was enough quality in it to get a result, at least a draw. It's 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 the frustrating element of perhaps having seven, eight, nine really good players, but then one's capable of absolutely crucial mistakes. It, it just underlines the value of goalkeepers, defenders. You know, if, if you've got players in those positions who are capable of making critical errors and do so regularly, it totally undermines the Herculean efforts of players like Patrick Hoban, who, who kind of once again led the line with all the energy and commitment that he did. And it just really, really is sad now that that guy hasn't been secured for, you know, like I don't know what they're waiting to see from Patrick Oban to to work out that he's a player that's worth keeping. And to to even contemplate the effort he expended tonight being expended in somebody else's colours next season, it just, you know, adds to the air of gloom. Rory Gilson said, in fairness, there was a bit of fight and a better performance, but you cannot play week in, week out with a centre half who strolls about the place and a keeper who has not the slightest clue what they are at. Vinnie is picking them, and I just don't get it. Well, look, I mean, you know, what other options does Who else have? can he pick? Yeah, We've got three keepers, all of whom have delivered howlers. We've got very few options at centre half. Apparently, Andy Boyle is carrying injuries for months. You know, Sean Hoare was let go, uh, Brian Gartland ACL injury. So that leaves you very short. I mean, but what's so frustrating is we didn't need to, 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 to strengthen at centre half. Vinnie Perth had the confidence to put out Daniel Cleary and Sean Hoare as the two centre-halves against Carabag, right, in in a Champions League game several years ago. They're now more experienced players. Okay, to me, they were the future centre-half partnership of Dundalk FC until Bill Hulsizer decided to give Sean Hoare away. Uh, Kevin Mullen, who was heroically on the road tonight, says the coffee machine is turned off in Manor Hamilton for the drive home, which sums up the night. We started brightly as usual, two soft goals, killed the momentum. We faded badly in the second half. Same problems with the goals. Keeper has been the Achilles' heel all year.
3: Well, like Joseph Doe actually said tonight, he goes, have certainly have no problem with um, quality, but have a big problem of confidence. And I think you said that early on, he said that in, in, in the first half. and That kind of sums the, the whole thing up. Like, like we have, we seen tonight the flashes of you know of quality within the, the, that eleven. But it seems that when you know the inevitable mistakes happen w- within the defense and between the sticks, the heads just go down and they can't get up. It's it's almost as if like it's like it doesn't matter how hard we try out here to score there's going to be a leak back there. What is the point? let's you know what I mean? It, that's what it just seems like. I know that doesn't sound very professional, but it seems to, to be something like that. I
2: have to say, by the way, Joseph Nadeau was the only highlight of tonight. Um, he was brilliant. If we, I, I tell you one thing, if we got him on this podcast, he could probably convince us that Bill Hulsizer is a good chairman. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, Bill Hulsizer should hire him as... Uh, Pr, yeah, because he'd he'd have us all, know, uh, us sand. all with the pom poms.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I do have to say there is there is a certain joy to Joseph Doe's commentary, uh, which uh, you know was the silver lining to what was a pretty grim night. That this talent should not be limited to Sligo Streaming alone. You know, I think he should be. He, he, there are there are higher things for Joseph and do. Uh Bill Hulseiser's spokesperson, I think he, it'd be a waste of his talent.
1: Give us a mm. flawless exit here.
0: Well, you know, I don't know, guys. Reading this article in the Argus, I'm beginning to kind of reflect, and perhaps perhaps we've been too negative about all of this. Maybe I should try and develop a more positive outlook. And I'm going to try and project that positivity onto our upcoming fixture against Finn Harps, where our season hangs by a tread. Remember, it might seem grim when you're in the relegation zone, but we are only two games away from Europe and another FAI Cup win. However, given tonight's performance. How positive are you about our chances in Bali Buffet? Well,
2: I have to say I wasn't positive given what I saw on the pitch. But when I read the comments from our chairman, I'm suddenly infused with a level of positivity. Um, And I'm actually going to put aside my negativity and um, I think it's a cracking chance. I mean, the season is definitely recoverable and it's all go from here. So we're going to push on and um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, beat the odds.
1: I'm a bit worried that without uh, Joey and doe to lift the music uh, the moods on, uh, on Friday night, it might not be as positive. So uh, I don't know, we're gonna have to I think go for another endurance factor. Uh, I think that a way to fin harps and belly buffet is often sort of characterized uh, by trying to you know sort of work through it. Uh, and hope that you come out on the other side with a result uh, like we definitely can but uh i, I don't know i think it's probably going to take more than three days on the training ground trying to fix that defense before uh, i think i start to get optimistic about the next few results
3: i don't think, I don't think there's any reason why we can't beat them other than our form so um, I mean, yeah, let's let's be positive about this, and let's hope that we can that we we can put them out of the cup and march on. Like it's it's a peculiar one because I know that Oli Horgan will show the utmost respect to the sundog team uh, coming, but he he'll be he'll be at us from 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 the from the kickoff. So I mean, it's going. I think it'll be an interesting game because the reason why it's going to be an interesting game is for two factors: one, it's a cup tie, and two, it's because it's a lower half of the table clash with two teams that are pitted against each other and probably at the same quality so let's go well
0: i am going to be positive about this one i'll tell you why because there's no reason not to be i'm gonna i'm gonna try and convince myself that with players like michael duffy and patrick hoban and sam stanton and and the quality we saw from like will patching and cameron dummigan i mean these guys right i wouldn't still not swap too many players from the finn squad for the players in our squad yes we have crucial weaknesses in particular areas hopefully i think dan cleary's clear, clear to he served a suspension now so he should be available again maybe that will shore up our defense the bottom line is okay however ravaged we are by injury and lack of confidence and all the chaos that has you know created this horrible atmosphere um which you know as players thinking about their next move and and all that uncertainty this is the fai cup and we have seen a miraculous transformation when we were in european cup competition uh the cup means a lot it is our last shot at salvaging the season if that isn't the motivation for these guys i don't know what is we still have enough of the old guard and quality players to win this game on paper we're more than a match for Finn Harps. All we need to do is avoid self-inflicted catastrophic errors. Now, I don't know whether Vinnie Perth is going to spin the selection wheel on the goalkeeper again, but I know with Daniel Cleary available, perhaps you've got some way to kind of solidify the defence so that that isn't such an issue anymore. But it's basically, it's our season now Is coming down to this 90 minutes on Friday. If Vinnie can get the lads focused, and get them to play to their potential if those players play they still beat pretty much anybody else particularly a team that's still only three places above us in the table in a in a pretty mediocre season we can win it i'm gonna back us and say we will win it there there you go bill that's me being positive on that note of positivity after perhaps our rantiest episode since uh, Jim jimma jilton threatened to hire jimmy mcginnis as our manager um, I think we'll wrap it up there for tonight, lads. Um, we'll be back on Friday night to discuss how we've gotten on on hopefully what will be a march to our return to the Cup Final in Lansdowne Road, fingers crossed. I'd like to thank Rory Murphy, Martin Mullen, and Damien Kenny for being the contributors tonight and putting up with all my negativity and moaning. I'd like to thank all you guys for listening in and also for all your contributions on Twitter. I wish you all the best if you are heading uh, up the road to Bally Buffet next Friday and let's hope we get the win that sees us you know t- take another step towards a cup final and retaining the trophy that we still hold here oh, look, the the face of